0: welcome back rebels adam brazier david speed how are you mate good 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 i had an interesting message come through to me this week um someone messaged me about a photo shoot and instead of offering to pay me they offered me an exposure ah the old classic yeah and it was one of the ones where they actually didn't have a very large following or much exposure that it seemed to offer so (laughs) i was kind of like well is there actually any value in this for me? Exposure, I think, is a good thing if you're in control of it. And I've been thinking a lot recently, especially since this message came through, about the fact that the people who generally offer you exposure are the people who can't give you exposure. Because I generally feel like if if they're a company or a person or someone influential enough that they could give you exposure, they're probably earning enough money that they
1: could just afford to pay you. We did a job this week that went out on the Premier League channel and they've got, I think, 36 million followers or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They aired the video and obviously didn't mention us, which would have been, it would have been great if they had done. We would have got like literally thousands of followers. When someone with 36 million plugs your name, you're just going to get a huge influx of people from that. But um, but they didn't do that, but they could afford to pay us. So that's absolutely fine. Yeah. and And I think... Exposure is one of those words that, like the word influencer, has got a, a dirty tinge to it. We are, because so many people have been burnt by companies or brands, perceivingly, it's, it's the power balance, perceivingly bigger than the person they're employing. And they're saying, I'm going to give you exposure as your form of payment. And so everyone has got their kind of guard up of people offering me exposure is a bad thing. I'm being exploited. However, the The correct exposure from the correct places is actually really, really useful and can be a huge boost to your brand. They could give you a paycheck that is gone by this time next month. But if they actually do share you with their audience, that's an audience that's engaged, that's going to be interested in what you're doing, then that actually could be really valuable for the long term that goes much past one payday.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's who you're getting exposed to, isn't it? Because we've been on TV a bunch of times doing painting related things, and it's never led to a job. It's never really yeah. led to anything. And that's getting shown to millions and millions of people. Yet if someone put us in a room on stage in front of the right audience, we could potentially get loads of sales, loads of connections, Like, there'd be so much value in that. And I suppose if someone ever does offer exposure, it's thinking like, well, who who is their audience? For example, like the person who messaged me was in the fitness world. So I don't, And what I do isn't really fitness, not fitness related. So actually for me to be exposed to lots of people in a a world that would never employ me is completely pointless.
1: Yeah, people get blinded by the numbers, don't they? So for us, I remember doing doing primetime tv god should i should i admit this on the podcast i've been on the <laughs> Al- i've been on the alan titchmarsh show um and i remember doing that and that was uh that was over 10 years ago and w- like the the live viewing of that i think was three million people but they're three million grannies that are not looking for a graffiti artist and it was a fun experience and i'm glad i did it but i thought it would turn into all of these jobs and all of these employment opportunities just because the number is so big and you see tv and you think you get stars in your eyes it's like most of the tv stuff that comes across our desk now we turn down unless it's i mean it, we certainly wouldn't do an alan titchmas show now if you're in an in a position in your business where you could really do with getting some eyeballs on your product it has to be the right kind of eyeballs. It has to be potential customers. Otherwise, you're literally wasting your time. And especially if you're putting a lot of time and resources into the opportunity that's that's paying you in terms of exposure, you, you need to make sure that, that it's going to be a good time commitment that you're going to be exposed to people who are potentially then going to give you the money that you didn't get from the exposure job.
0: Yeah, and I think this is where it comes down to you being the one in control of when exposure is offered as a, as a form of payment because it's like if you go to someone else who, like if you if you make a list of people who you would like to get exposure from or who could provide exposure in the right areas for you if someone from that list contacts you and says i can't pay you but here's some exposure then that might be worth considering because you've already chosen that in advance if you want to develop a portfolio if you want to grow in some way if you want to make connections with someone you don't know already then it might be worth offering to work for free for someone. Because you, the exposure you know you'll get from that will be with the right people in the right field. And I think that's generally a difference. It's like most times when someone contacts us offering us exposure, actually the value there is going to be so low. Whereas if we go to someone else and say, we'll do this for you for free because we know the exposure we'll get from it will benefit us. That seems like the way to do it.
1: Yeah, it's being in the driving seat, isn't it? So I got a message recently from uh, from a onesie brand, and they want me to um, to design a couple of onesies for them, and and it's like it's such a fun opportunity. And like they said how much they were going to pay, and I, it was five hundred quid. They're like, we've got five hundred quid for your like time in, yeah. in designing it, and then I get a percentage of however many onesies are sold. Um, and I said to them, I want to do, I want to do it on like a pre-order basis so that, so that nothing like, so there's not wastage after doing an episode with Lauren Bravo. I don't want to do like produce (laughs) thousands of them that then like are are not sold. Um, but it's like, I wouldn't normally do that for 500 quid, but like it's with one piece. I think they're a cool brand. I like what they're doing. And I just think it would be fun to make a onesie. So that like, they've got a quite a large following like so it's good for me in terms of exposure there and it's a project like so i'm in the driver's seat there i'm like okay well you can't you can't tell me what to make like design wise i'm in charge and and like it's it's taking the control it's something that i want to do i've decided to i wouldn't normally do something like that for 500 quid but because it's a project that i want to work on i will do it but I think the vast majority of stuff that comes to us that, that says, Oh, we we want to uh, we want to pay you in exposure or or like a very nominal fee, for most of those we'll weigh it up and we'll go, and if it's not a brand that particularly interests us or, or that we're passionate about, then then it's just a no straight away. And I I think just don't get blinded by the the seeming status of of the person
0: that's approaching you. And also remembering that jobs will come in the future as well. This isn't going to be the last job you're ever going to do. That's such a good point. And actually thinking about like, well, will doing this thing for this person now hurt my chances in the future to do something? So it's like weighing up those different things of, should I do this now, take the money, and then that might affect something in the future, or am I going to play the long game? Is this going to be my career for the next 30, 40, 50 years? Like, should I not just quickly take something now in the fact that
1: further down the line it's going to make me a stronger brand going forward so i i think i think you made a really good point there and i think it's about it's about knowing the brands that that align with you and maybe and i do think it is a good idea to yeah write a list of those type of companies so that and 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 it, there's nothing to stop you like going out and approaching these brands with 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 the with the opposite proposition of like no I don't want any money you can pay me in exposure if it's a brand that aligns with you and speaking of uh, brands that align one brand that definitely aligns with us is our friends at Adobe so this this week's episode is another partnership uh, brought to you with Adobe and we're going to be doing as we did last week there's going to be another challenge so please do stick around till the end of the episode to hear how you can get involved in that.
0: At the end of every episode during this Adobe series you've got the chance to win one of five Adobe Creative Cloud subscriptions and a mentoring session with those
1: yeah we're we're super excited about that firstly, Creative Cloud is really bloody useful um, and secondly like mentoring we love to do it and I think it's the most like I think it's one of the most valuable things that we do because obviously advice on the podcast is very general um, but when we speak to people, one-on-one about their business and do an actual kind of deep dive into the things that are worrying them then we can get really specific and offer like tailored advice that's exactly for them so and we love doing that.
0: Yeah it's always so good to sit down with someone and help them directly with with whatever it is they're doing. This week's guest Jessica Kibasey is someone who I really look up to so it's always great to sit down with guests and like I really dig into what makes them successful and
1: yeah Jessica is so lovely um, but her her accent scares me that she might just flip New York o- on me at some point <laughs> but she's but she's so lovely um, and this was yeah this was a really fun chat and I think her story is so familiar in in many ways to other guests that we've had of of big life events that have pushed her in different directions and just that consistency of showing up every day that has, that has really kind of brought her success over the years. Yeah we
0: we're actually talking before we started recording this about how Jessica is just someone who has just done it so consistently over such a long period of time. And you know that she's always gonna be there. You know that like, she's always gonna turn up with new videos and keep creating content, whereas other people will start and then after a certain amount of time drop off. But I feel like a lot of her success is down to the fact that she has just kept showing up for years and years and years. Keep putting out the content, keep coming up with new, new little ideas and just new little twists on videos that make things a bit more interesting.
1: Yeah, it it reminds me of something that Emma Gannon said that's always, always stuck with me, where she was like, I don't think I'm the best writer in the world. I just kept going when everyone else gave up. And it's our old mantra for longtime listeners of the show. You'll know that we say a lot. Consistency plus patience equals success. And I, I truly believe that. And Jessica is an absolute testament to that. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Jessica Cabeci is a professional photographer and a YouTube content creator. Jessica's photography is self-taught and her YouTube channel is filled with tutorials where she shares what she's learned. Jessica shoots fashion photography, but also loves shooting weddings too, which I love uh, as a little side note. I love that she carries on doing weddings just because it's something that she enjoys. Because I know in the photography community, a lot of times weddings is like, oh, I do weddings to earn money, but it's not my passion
0: yeah and it is so important to just find that thing that you love and do it because you generally like doing it rather than the fact that someone else has told you to do it and i feel like most people who say that they don't like it they're just doing it for the money
1: exactly yeah so that's super cool um she's developed a distinctive style and grown a huge audience over multiple channels by consistently creating in this episode we talk about
0: reputation consistency and how to make good content
2: It's just sharing your unique perspective and also just showing your personality and who you are as a person, I think is very important. Hi, Jessica. Hi, how are you guys? Good, how are you? (laughs) I am, you know, just feeling refreshed. Woke up this morning early and uh, yeah, I was working on my Animal Crossing town all last night. I'm very proud of it, even though I finished like one little section.
1: I mean, thank God for Animal Crossing in this time of pandemic, because I think it's helping a lot of people get through.
2: Honestly, it is.
1: They must have been like, it, it
0: came at the exact right time for them. Nintendo must be the only happy people right now.
2: <laughs> Their stocks are going up. Everybody else is like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're all like struggling to pay bills and stuff. We can't, we don't, I don't even have milk at my house anymore. And I'm like scared to go to the grocery store.
1: But you've got plenty of milk for your villagers.
2: My villagers are very, you know, well taken care of. They're all princesses, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, they're living the life in the game. So
1: I like purposely haven't bought Animal Crossing because I just know how much it like sucks people in. It's like one of those games. I've never played it, but I've kind of almost never played it on purpose because I don't want to get sucked in and just like have to be there every day. See, I've, I feel like it's good because you can only spend a certain amount of time in a day really on it. Well, at the level
0: I am at the moment anyway. It's like I can go on it, get all the berries, chop all the wood, collect all the rocks. And then I'm like, well, I've kind of not much else to do now. So I'll, I'll see you tomorrow.
2: You ran out of stuff to do. I find stuff to do. You know, I like go talk to my villagers. They're all annoyed of me because I guess I talk to them too much. I'm like, sorry, that <laughs> I'm, I want to be friends with you and in, in this time. So yeah, that's been it's been interesting.
1: Um, in terms of your career, um, it makes me think of like this is not the first game that you've kind of played that has been like a sort of all inclusive towny type place. Take us back to the days of Neopets.
2: <laughs> oh gosh, Neopets, well.
1: And like, and and for anyone listening, like this sounds like we're just chatting about computer games, (laughs) but like it is really relevant because when I look at your career, like the reason a lot of stuff has happened to you is because of those skills that you learned when you were like a young teenager playing on these games.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Neopets, well, for those who don't know, it's basically a website where, how do you even describe it? You, it's like a game website where you choose a pet and then you feed it, and there. But the thing is, there are, it's it's a little bit more complex in that. There are different layers to your pets. There are guilds. There are which like essentially the, are like they
1: have a, they're online communities, right? Mm. Yeah,
2: they're like mini message boards and like exclusive clubs. And there are, I think they have like the stock market. I mean, there there's like a lab in there, and there's different. There's like the gaming community on your pets. So there's different communities on there. My interest was definitely the guilds because they have really cool designs and I didn't know how to do any of that. I was like, what, 13, 14 years old and had no idea how anyone made any of these amazing designs. And I'm the type of person that if I want to know how to do something, I will... I kind of obsess over it, kind of going back to Animal Crossing. Like, you know, I've been seeing everybody with these amazing five-star islands. My island was, was looking ratchet. I mean, I don't <laughs> I, really, I really saw that and was inspired by it. And I wanted to see what I could come up with. So I spent hours and hours and hours on online back in 2000. Like, I don't even know when it was, 2002, 2003, looking up coding, JavaScript, HTML,
1: and how were you learning those those skills? Because like I guess YouTube wasn't as developed as it is now. It didn't exist back then, did it?
2: Mm-mm. No, I, I'm not sure if it existed. I I think it I might think have. It was like
0: 2005 or something, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, something like that.
2: Yeah. So definitely, the the landscape of the internet was totally different back then. You can imagine that things like YouTube, Instagram, just didn't exist. Twitter didn't exist. So. We relied on different things. Like message boards were a really big thing. Having your own website was a really big thing. Uh, For us, there was an influx of html websites that uh, html css uh javascript basically websites to help people learn coding because it was such a big thing to have your own website and so people were capitalizing on the fact that hey a lot of people are making their own websites they need to learn how to code let's teach them so there were so many of these websites one website in particular that i would go on is lisa explains i don't even i i think it's still around actually i like visit it every now and then (laughs) Yeah, so I would go on those websites. I would ask a lot of people. Um, it was just all research back back then. I was on GeoCities, Angel Fire, oh my gosh, Photo Bucket. Like I was uploading on all those websites and making little web I don't know. It was it it was basically a community of people who had the same interests and so if I ever wanted to learn anything, all of my friends on Neopets were also designing and doing their own websites. So I would just ask them and we would help each other.
1: And was there a degree of like kind of learning by doing as well just like trying stuff and seeing what worked?
2: Yeah mostly failing for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I was I, I was pretty good at coding. I could code my own website from scratch. I'm talking you give me a blank page and in a couple of days I make it a website and you see you know a template and you see the, the boxes and everything for that and the navigation and the separate pages. So I was I was able to learn quite a f- a a few things the only thing was I don't think that it was really my passion so I was never I don't know I just feel like I wasn't really that good at it but I liked doing it at the time
0: did you have friends at school who were interested in the same thing or was this just like an online community that you were part of
2: oh gosh no no one in my school you know I grew up in a Arab Arab community and people didn't really do that type of thing. They didn't go on these message boards, and I f- always felt like an outsider in in that respect. And and what I did, so I had a lot of online friends who were just like me. Uh, I I I just like different things, and a lot of my friends in real life really didn't understand.
1: Would you say that you still feel like an outsider at all? Like how like how is YouTubing in the Arab community?
2: It's it's not as different now back then it definitely was uploading a youtube video it was like what is she doing like that's weird you know that's kind of strange it's just something that you you didn't do in the community because you kind of went with what everybody else was doing and just kind of fit in but for me I really wanted to express myself and be creative and be funny and so I did the youtube videos and so I really stood out
1: that's that's quite brave as well because I think like so many of us, we do kind of just want to do what everyone else does because we don't want to be laughed at or whatever. And you can only really kind of justify it. Like you can justify it now because you can come back and you can be like, well, you thought I was crazy, but here's here's this YouTube channel that's really successful. It's the same with us, with our business. Everyone said we were, cr- we were crazy. And then now we can say, well, look, we built this successful business. But in the early days when we're building it, everyone's saying we're crazy and we've got no social media following we've got no like big jobs to speak of and when you're building your channel and you've got everyone's telling you you're crazy and you've got no views like what was it that kind of kept you going like, did you always see a light at the end of the tunnel or were you just in love with the process like what was it that kept you going
2: I don't know why but I always had I always visualized that I would succeed in my head for some yeah. reason, I always thought, you know, for instance, when I was working as a cashier at Best Buy, it's like a yeah,
1: yeah computer store. Yeah.
2: So when I was working there, even though it wasn't my favorite job in the world, I kept telling myself this is only temporary. I have bigger and better things, and that's the same thing that I told myself through every job I did that wasn't, you know, my 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 dream job, and and I think really having that mindset prepared me.
0: Did you have a vision of what that future would look like, or did you just knew it would be something different to what you're experiencing now?
2: I just visualized visualize myself like traveling a lot, and you know, doing. Well, this is before I really got into photography, but I just imagined myself doing bigger and better things, and you know, earning that respect from you know my my community and from the people around me that never thought that I would have gotten this far because everyone a lot of people doubted my graphic design major in college because a lot of people asked me like what are you going to do with that and I kind of I don't know at first it didn't offend me but then I started to think like why is everyone at like why does everyone doubt the fact that this is like possible so
0: what was it that made you pick to go into graphic design
2: (laughs) the fact that I didn't know what else to go into yeah (laughs) it was my last week and high school and I had everyone kind of knew what they were doing and for me I had no idea I, I didn't feel like I was really great at anything I didn't know what I wanted to do for the rest of my life in the last week of high school yeah. I mean it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure so one of my art teachers actually came up to me and she's like do you know what you're going to be doing like do you know where you're going into what college you're going to I was like honestly I have no idea and she she kind of knew that i liked the graphic design stuff i kind of told her a little bit about it and she knew i was like really big on art and so she's like well why don't you pursue your graphic design stuff and honestly that's the first time i ever even thought about it and i'm like oh my god i didn't even think about graphic design as something long term because again in an art, i don't want to blame you know the the my culture or the community but it's something that you grow up with just knowing this is something that people do and this is something that people don't really do so it wasn't really like ever an option I never really thought about it twice until my teacher brought it up my art teacher brought it up and so I thought like maybe this is something that I can do I've been graphic designing on neopets and a website for so long like maybe this is something that I can do so that's kind of how it came about.
0: Was there any expectations on you to go and get kind of quote-unquote a proper job?
2: Honestly, no. My parents were very supportive of me. They never even questioned why I was going into that. Um, and I'm very, very grateful and, and thankful that they supported me so much. They didn't. They honestly were like, okay, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. You know, you want to do art, go ahead. They. It didn't really matter to them. They supported me.
1: So you graduated, you've got your graphic design qualification, you you became a graphic designer, right? At what point did you start experimenting with photography?
2: I think it was like the end of my junior year in college where a, a lot of a lot of people in my city were getting married and everyone was posting wedding pictures and so I kept seeing all of these like professional wedding pictures popping up and Again, my curiosity was just like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I want to kind of learn how to do this. Like, photography sounds really cool. But the thing is, I really just like retouching and editing. So I wanted to do mostly that, but I knew if I wanted to go down that road, like, I'm the type of person, I don't know about you guys, but as an artist, I like to just own the entire piece of work. I don't know about you guys, no?
1: It's, it's <laughs> so interesting. And I, and I think because there's so many different ways you can go with it. But I, I mean for me it's cuz and it's really funny speaking to you so for me when i when i paint one of my goals with my painting is to get it as close as the photograph as possible but then if i don't know how much it's been retouched like like what reality am i chasing because when you get Photos that are, are retouched to the point where they they are transformed into into like an oil painting essentially like when they yeah they look like something absolutely <laughs> glorious there is there's a whole art to that and then with me as a as a painter it's it's like such a weird dichotomy of when I find an image and I'm like I'd really like to paint this and I try and get it as close to to that representation as possible but then I don't know how close that is so it's not like I'm trying to replicate life. And it's, yeah. so it's a whole weird thing for me.
0: It's <laughs> that like, it's like challenging yourself, isn't it? It's like I there's something you want to personally achieve. So like almost doesn't really matter what other people think. It's like for me, I want to know that I can get this as close as as possible because I suppose that's mastery of the craft, then, isn't it? It's like it's the technical ability rather than just doing it because it's creative. It's like I want to achieve this because I want to get better at it. And every time you do get that little bit better, like you've won in a way.
2: Hmm. Exactly the The only thing is, when you make that progress, for me in graphic design, I never felt like, okay, I'm getting a lot better. I just felt like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm floating by. It's it's not bad. This is not a bad piece of work. I wasn't enjoying it as much. But with photography, I was completely obsessed with it. I was staying up till like three in the morning, learning new things about it, researching it. I mean, it was. It really was an obsession at that point, and so that's kind of how I knew, okay, this is something i that really interests me. So I, a lot of people and a lot of people ask me like, how do you know that that's what you're really passionate about? I don't really know what I like, you know, how do I find out what I want to do? and i I just tell them like, you will know right away that this yeah. is what you're meant to do because that your passion like, you won't even have to be like oh great now I have to like go retouch this picture well so I mean I got to that point now but, <laughs> but in the beginning you'll just be completely enamored with it and just want to learn more voluntarily
0: on that topic there like how do you keep a balance of making sure you don't overdo it to fall out of love with it because I know I've had that a few times where I've thought oh I, oh this is great I'm definitely passionate about this and you just throw everything into it to a stage where you're like you like I'm, this isn't fun anymore i'm just doing this it almost almost become a job
2: so for me i think a lot of people make the mistake of going in too quickly and investing too much into it and I, you know i say that because you got to take things slow with it it's just like you know it's just like a relationship you just you don't want to like jump in and be like i want to marry you let's get married tomorrow you want to just see how it goes, and if you're enjoying the process, and if you're enjoying photography, then you want it, it, you want it to be a smooth transition, not something where you go and buy a five six thousand dollar camera your as your first camera, and just you know, and and then you start thinking like, oh, I spent all this money, like I'm not taking the best pictures. This is not for me, you know. I give up a lot. Actually, a lot of my friends were like, hey, I tried photography, but I gave up because. You know, I did a photo shoot and the pictures didn't turn out good. Well, I would kind of say maybe it's not really what you like to do because if you really liked it, that would actually be like a challenge, like what Adam was saying. You yeah. would wanna like keep getting better.
0: because yeah, I feel like for me, I feel like the best way for anyone when they start is to just kind of like get an affordable tool and just use that to, to a stage where you, you can't do any more with it. So for example, like recently I've been doing um kind of retouched photos of people's iphone selfies that they send me because i can't go out the house to shoot stuff so i've just got people to send me selfies which is generally from like kind of awful the front camera on a phone which is awful quality jpeg (laughs) like really hard but when you're actually editing you can actually get quite a good image out of that and that's with like that didn't cost me anything it's like if you wanted to start a as for, with You can't even afford a camera. Just get other people to send you their photos, so you can start retouching those. But it's yeah. like with kind of like my cameras. I've like now I've got to a stage where I've got loads. But when you first started, it was like I just bought something that was affordable, and then got to a stage where I was like oh, I could do with more from this because I've almost pushed it to its limit. And I feel like not mm-hmm. enough people do push it to its limit because if you do get to the stage where actually, I can't get what I need out of this photo because I've tried and I've pushed it to its limit and it just can't do that. Then maybe decide decide to upgrade. But to start with, it's like... I mean, as
1: for you, like even the shots you've been taking recently, just using Lightroom to take the raw photo from it, like those have turned out to be some of like your best photos and it's not, it's just from your phone.
0: Yeah, I started doing a lot of street photography as well now that I used to take my big camera out of me all the time. But if I'm just doing like buildings, now I just use the Lightroom app on my phone and those pictures like you couldn't tell i'll often like take two stitch them together in lightroom and it's like you couldn't tell that was shot on my phone rather than on Mm. a thousands (laughs) of pounds camera
2: i'm i might disagree with you about that i am not a huge fan of iphone photography actually (laughs) i get a lot of emails from companies and brands asking me to do iphone photography you know promote it all this and I don't know I just I'm not a huge I don't know but I mean for the reason that you're saying I totally understand like in this situation you're out and you just want to take a quick picture cool it it turns out nice on the iPhone but like I don't know about what you guys think about like iPhone photography
0: see I would say like in terms of like what I like in my style because I do a lot of like beauty that's like Super high resolution, close up, sharp. Like you can't get that with a phone. You just can't. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So like for any portrait stuff, I generally use everything is with a a camera. But if it's just if I'm doing like street photos of like buildings, so I've got like a feed of just like building facades, so that's fine because it's like I can bring. I'm only posting it on Instagram, so okay. The level of detail is in there. You can get out, like if you put the iPhone and 42 megapixel pictures side by side. On Instagram, you can't really tell the difference on there. But with portraits, it's a completely different game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because I need to be able to see pause.
2: (laughs) I know, I know. Sometimes I'll get comments on YouTube like, oh, this looks like it was taken on an iPhone. I was like, okay, I mean...
0: (laughs) Yeah, because they've seen (laughs) seen iPhone commercials that have some huge lens stuck on the back Mm -hmm. of the iPhone and it's like, they make it look like it's... Technically taken
1: by an iPhone, yeah.
2: You know, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but... (sighs) I mean, you know, it's it's a double edged sword because we understand that, you know, not everybody has access to a camera. But at the same time, cameras right now are cheaper than iPhone, some cameras, some professional cameras. And um, yeah, sometimes I'm asked to promote iPhone photography. And I think that it's actually it could do more harm to our industry than good because we're kind of like minimizing you know the equipment that we use and minimizing our jobs is it simply like taking an iphone and just like taking a picture when it's really a lot more than that just being you being able to use manual mode mm. on, a, on a canon or an icon that's you know it's very difficult to do so yeah i just think it's very interesting
1: so one thing i hear like thrown around a lot is is oh because like it's really hard to be a photographer nowadays because like the the barrier to entry is so low anyone can be a be a photographer you've either got your phone in your pocket or you can get really affordable gear nowadays um do you think like then that's where retouching comes in because like you you can't just you can't just easily retouch your pictures it's like there there's definitely a process to that and so do you think it's important nowadays to develop your own style with that through the re- through the retouching,
2: retouching is something that I am constantly talking about, and I encourage people to look more into because I feel like now, you know, as we're taught, like we're in this culture where you take a picture on, you, you could, it could be your camera, it could be your phone, you add a filter to it, and you send it off. Which, look, I'm I, I do that with some of my pictures, but what I'm talking more about is having a unique style that is unique to you and and, you know everybody can use the same filter we know that it'll make the picture look nice i'm not saying like it's not gonna you're gonna have ugly pictures you're gonna have a nice picture but you're gonna have something very similar to other people whereas you know you want someone to look at a picture and be like oh you know adam took this picture yeah i definitely know david took this picture it's definitely his style so that's when you know you have something unique that is distinguishable to you clients will be more appeal to book you over somebody else because they're more intrigued by your style they want something that again that is a little bit more unique so that's why i'm kind of always pushing have your own editing style post you know learn post processing it can it can seem daunting but it's actually a lot of fun it's it's a it's a very long process i'll tell you <laughs> that but it's a lot of fun
0: and how did someone find a style
2: what i would do is maybe go on pinterest and and Look up editorials and see what kind of style you like. I have a folder with all of my favorite pictures and I'm constantly looking back at them for inspiration. And I kind of, you know, I feel like my style is the combination of all my favorite pictures put together and then obviously a little bit of my own personality and my, you know, the coloring that I like. So I would say it's a lot of trial and error and you have to actually go and do the work and fail a lot to be able to get the style that you want because if you go back on my instagram and you go go back to like 2015 you'll see pictures that don't even match with my style now that look a lot different than how i edit and again it's a process of over four or five years it's not hey i came out I, i got my camera i took a picture and i put a you know this filter over it and that's my style it took years to develop but it was totally worth it and um by the way adam you said something very interesting you said you know like everybody it's easier to become a photographer now in the industry. Is that kind of you said like the bar is a little like I don't I want to say David the bar is low, but Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean that's something that I've heard bandied around. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but it's definitely something that people do say online is that is everyone's a photographer nowadays.
0: I suppose the issue there is like yes, everyone is a photographer if the term photographer is just someone with access to a camera. Whereas like as soon as it's like a level of professionalism, it's like even if someone ha- had an expensive camera, it doesn't make them a photographer if they don't actually go out and shoot and like, create stuff with it.
1: Well, I mean, I have a very expensive camera in front of me right now and I have to phone you every single time that I want to try and use it. So
0: exactly. It's like <laughs> if you go to an art shop and buy all of the
1: equipment, it doesn't make you an artist. Yeah, it's funny. You always I always notice on it happens a lot on tattooers, Instagrams and stuff. And you see in the comments like, oh, what machine did you use for this? As if if they buy that machine, they're all of a sudden going to be able to create Mm -hmm. these breathtaking tattoos. It's like it doesn't work like that, dude.
2: It's interesting because, okay, I mean, technically you can call anybody a photographer, but what is somebody willing to pay for? What's the value that that person is bringing? For instance, you know, I could my sister can go and start posting on Instagram like, oh, I'm a photographer. She's she's taking pictures. But how much are people willing to pay for those pictures, you know, and are people willing to book her at all? Are people willing to trust her with a wedding or an engagement? So I think that is where, you know, the line is drawn in terms of, you know, a hobbyist photographer, which listen, photography is a lot of fun. I feel like, yeah, a lot of people are doing it now. It's more accessible than ever before. But there's definitely a distinction between the professional that gets paid to do this, that retouches their own pictures, versus someone with an iPhone that's taking pictures, or and you know the 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 person who takes pictures of like their outfits for I don't know their blog or something. You know what I mean? Hmm.
0: How important do you think a uh, personal brand is for a photographer?
2: Oh my gosh, I have to be careful what I say here because my personal brand is all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say. I think that reputation, your reputation, the way that you treat people and how efficient you are and how professional you are is really the most important thing um, in the industry. And of course, of course, your work being good and is, is very important, but you can have the best work and still be a, 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 a nightmare to work with and no one's going to want to work with you. So I think you just have to, I, a brand is important, but the you can have the, the best branding and everything. What does that really mean if the work's not there and you're a terrible person? So I feel like it just, you have to kind of have a little bit of everything.
1: Something that Gary Vee says is that your personal brand is just, that's just a fancy way of saying your reputation. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned it there, like reputation is so important. Reputation. And,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and if you've got like a, an attitude or you're like bad with clients or you're unprofessional, it's like that becomes your personal brand that becomes what you're known for so yeah i totally agree it's it's becoming known for being someone who's easy to work with who has their own vision but will work with you to to make the best product
0: i think it's really important as well because like life is really long and your career is going to be over like decades so it makes sense to be a nice person to be easy to work with because all you have to do is get that kind of foot in the door once and as soon as you've got that then That's open to you forever if you keep producing at the level that is expected.
2: Exactly. Word of mouth is a great marketing tool. Yeah. So if you're a really, really nice person, you were a pleasure to work with, that, you know, the bride had a great experience with you, she's going to be telling all her friends. But if she had a terrible experience, she's definitely going to be telling all of her friends plus 10 times more people
1: so after you graduated you're doing like you went into graphic design but you like you already like you mentioned earlier you already knew that it wasn't what you enjoyed like you were cool with it and you were good at it and you were having fun with it but you when you knew you wanted to get into photography and do some other stuff how did you get the courage to leave like a proper safe job and go freelance
2: well, that that really was not my decision. I was actually laid off of my graphic design job.
1: There you go. Another
0: one. We've had so many on this show of like literally every time <laughs> someone goes to start following their passion, it's because something bad's happened, like being mm-hmm. made redundant.
2: You know, when I was working at this marketing agency, although I loved my coworkers, and actually, it's funny because a lot of them are British. It was like, ah. yeah, they were the sweetest, the sweetest Brits, um, but deep in my heart i knew that i was it's not really what i wanted to do i had been doing photography for about three years when i was working at this marketing agency full-time i had a lot of student loans you know i was paying bills i have utilities like rent all that stuff and it just it wasn't even a question of okay like i i want to do photography full-time it was just like can i even afford to leave this job because mm-hmm. i have so many loans And I was basically working two jobs. I would leave my job at like 5 p.m. After working at 9 to 5, I would drive like an hour back to my city and then shoot an engagement and then edit those pictures and then, you know, do senior pictures on the weekends. And it was was tough working two jobs, but I knew that's what I had to do to pay my loans. And um, actually, it's so weird because every single day, like the last, couple months I was working there I kept I was calling my friend and being like honestly I think I'm just gonna leave this job like I want to do photography but I was so terrified like I couldn't get myself to do it because I'm like it's not stable it's YouTube like it's I don't know if I'm gonna get a lot of engagements or weddings um and I had just started YouTube like a couple like two years before but it wasn't really popping off but um I was calling my friend and I was like Like literally every day I was texting her like, okay, today I'm gonna think about like leaving, like maybe I'll quit, maybe I'll finally do it. And I never had the courage, you guys, okay? So one day.
0: What would you say to your younger self now? Would you say, would you have said, just go for it? Or do you reckon you made the right, Well, you're fortunate in that it happened that way?
2: I think the universe came together and was like, Jessica, you're annoying, like you're overdue, like just leave already. (laughs) And it's so weird because the day that I was laid off, i swear to god you guys i was on the phone with my friend and i'm like you know maybe if i do photography i can like make the pay my bills and i'll have enough for this payment and like i don't know i'm just not like really happy here anymore you know i was literally on the phone with her and then like a couple hours later i was about to take my lunch break and then my boss is like hey jessica like can i talk to you for a second like i said i'm about to go get lunch everything and he pulls me into the conference room, and he's like, you know, it, he basically was like, it's nothing personal towards you. We just don't have your position in the our business anymore. We're changing our business model, and it doesn't include your position because I was like a secondary graphic designer. I was like assistant to the graphic designer. I'm, this is like the office all over again, right? Michael, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Michael yeah, Dwight, yeah, yeah. sure. I was Dwight in that situation. You're assistant
0: to, <laughs> rather than assistant. <laughs> assistant.
2: <laughs> so I was. And the thing is, they all knew that I loved doing photography because I was doing they found out I did it and they were like, hey, can you do our headshots for the website for our website? So they knew I did photography and I did photography for the agency a couple times. And so he's like, you know, I see your passion in photography and I think that you should pursue that. You're so talented. Thanks, Chris, if you're listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I had to leave right after that I packed I got my stuff and I just left right out I didn't say bye to any of my coworkers. I just left and I never got like a formal goodbye but I
0: so what does uh the next two months after that look like then of like not having a job and realizing shit <laughs> this is this is, got real now
2: I, oh my god I remember having to call the bank and being like I don't have money to pay this loan like they wanted they wanted me to pay like eighteen hundred dollars i literally just lost my job and i was paying consistently for like a year and a half and then suddenly when i lost my job they were telling me they couldn't give me a deferment because i couldn't guarantee that i could get a job in like two months i'm like is isn't it that what what if you guys know i'm not gonna be able to get a job you guys still want me to pay like just give me a break for two months or like a month and they would not defer my loans my student loans and that I was, I was like, I was very, very, very frustrated. It was, it was a hard time, but I knew that I, all I had was the, my photography, my engagements, my wed- the weddings that I was doing, senior pictures. I was very big into senior pictures, so I kind of that's all I had, you guys.
1: So you just went into hustle mode. Oh just yeah, like booking oh, clients, yeah. booking clients, booking clients.
2: That bank kept sending me letters and stuff like, Jessica, this, you know, you're late. <laughs> I'm like, I'm poor, that's why. <laughs> so
0: so how'd you start to find clients at that point
2: it was really word of mouth i would you know in my community we're very close-knit everybody knows each other so when you do one person's wedding like people people find out and uh and and tag you and so it just it was really like one of my clients friends heard about me or saw their pictures and like them and wanted me to do their pictures so it was just like a chain effect
0: And when you're in a situation like that where the bank's literally like knocking on your door, trying to get money out of you, what makes you think, I'm going to start a YouTube channel?
2: I was doing YouTube before this, but this is going back to the Neopet slash website days. I actually had a website where I would write tutorials for graphic design. So I thought, why not do that? But for photography, now that I was doing photography, so I started recording like i was recording my screen editing pictures because i just learned how to retouch pictures with frequency separation i was so excited (laughs) and um so i was just doing little tutorials here and there so it just kind of felt like a natural it was like do the same thing that you did when you were 15 but now on youtube because youtube was like a big thing Uh, it still is so
1: (laughs) when did you realize that you were onto something when it came to the youtube
2: when my video started to gain a little bit more traction, I yeah. Became so more I mean, confident. let me reframe
1: that question because you you probably you realized you were onto something the day you set up the channel because you were like this is you like you already knew you were going to make it work. <laughs> but like, what was it that kind of popped you over the edge? Like, it, was there a particular moment where you started to get traction, or was it just kind of a gradual like build build up like one follower at a time kind of thing?
2: It was definitely. Uh, the three photographers shoot the same model video that really pushed me uh, into the forefront in terms of uh, for the photography community on YouTube.
1: So explain a little bit about that concept.
2: So it's basically well the concept at the time was three photographers so it was me my two friends we all photographed the same model in the same location in the same outfit to compare and show our unique styles and basically showing the photos that we took just because I feel like people, when they think of photographers, they don't really understand, like we all have our unique styles and how we shoot and what better way to show that and, and represent that than to visually capture it. So, you know, it, it was, I never expected it to to be what it is today. Like, Oh, just a full blown series. And, you know, with it being so popular, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And yeah, that was the first video that went viral for me. that was the first video that I think that reached 1 million views and it it was so crazy. I Even even now I can't even believe it.
0: And how many years in your YouTube journey was that from when you started to take it seriously?
2: So we shot the Four Photographers series, the first episode, I believe it was December, 2016. And so the first episode went up 2017, early 2017. I was on YouTube since 2013. Yeah, so I was uploading consistently for like three, four years with really like nothing crazy.
1: I wonder if, I, d- I don't know, Adam, you, if you could weigh in on this, but I wonder if it was, was it the concept of the of the challenge that pushed things over the edge or was it the consistent posting up until this point or was it both? Like, it's, there's probably no way to know. Do you know what I mean? But I, I wonder if you just started the channel with the concept whether it would have popped anyway
0: i think it's, it's got to be a combination because i feel like to pop you need to have a certain level of following beforehand to kind of push it over that edge because like nowadays you see like every photographer's basically replicating that exact thing to try and do their own series to try and pop straight away but they haven't got the years of work behind them and also i think as well like if you you wouldn't have had the skills and abilities to put together such a good video if you made it three years before like it wouldn't have been as good it wouldn't have been as well presented you wouldn't have been as confident in front of camera you wouldn't have had the same people involved in it like it was that coming together of all of it I think it's like we talk a lot in the show about like three years being like a magic number and like so many guests that we've had on things have really started to flip for them about three or four years it's it's a really weird phenomenon I think a lot of that probably comes down to just like if they kind of say it's 10,000 hours to master something you're far enough along and you've put enough time and effort into that to have something that is that good I feel like if you'd have just put that video out three years ago it wouldn't have had that same effect would you agree with that
1: Jessica yeah yeah I'm, I'm really glad that's the answer because Uh, like because that's what we always advocate is like is the hard work will will always pay off but I, i do sort of wonder sometimes with these viral things but yeah it's it's the the viral video is just the tip of the iceberg isn't it and it's everything else that's done that leads up to that moment
2: it really is all about you know having a good work ethic and being consistent on youtube uh, it's definitely it's not easy but I, I really love uploading videos and connecting with people and I just I think it's more fun than anything I mean being paid to do it is a, a, so amazing and I'm so grateful that I'm able to to do that at, at its core I mean I wasn't really making any money from YouTube when I was first uploading and it was like purely fun and teaching people and helping people because when I started there were not a lot of good resources so
0: do you think that's still room now for people to start if someone started tomorrow could you still grow
2: oh for sure 100 percent. there's the thing is you could easily say the market is saturated even in the beauty community you could say the market is totally oversaturated but there are still new people every day that are becoming uh you know like even think about like people on tiktok who are like blowing up even though there, it's, it's so overly saturated and there's so many people are doing the, so many of the same things. I think it's just people's personalities that make it unique. and you know the different types of content that people put out. I mean we're so different, all of us are different photographers, I'm sure and we all see photography through a different lens, if you will. So it's just sharing your unique perspective and also just showing your personality and who you are as a person I think is very important and people appreciate it
1: as long as your photos aren't over-saturated. <laughs> Still, clear, Whoa,
2: okay. <laughs> um, David coming up with the jokes, yes. <laughs>
1: you inspired me with your lens, uh, with your lens bond. Um. So given that you've been on YouTube for like a decent amount of time now, is there a science to having a video blow up or is it unpredictable?
2: I don't know, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you. I don't even know. It's, it's, you know, and I tell everybody this. There's some videos that I think are going to do really well and that they end up flopping. And then the videos that I don't even, I'm like, okay, let's put it out there. I'm sitting down telling a story, like 5 million views, you know? So (laughs) you really, for me at least, for me and my channel and my experience, I I just don't know. And I never, like, I, I just make the content that I like and just hope it does well. And if it doesn't, that's okay. You know, I always have another chance. I'll, there's always another video. So I'm not like, I, I I see people on YouTube. Have you guys seen those YouTubers? Like the ones who are legit living in like mansions, millions yeah. of dollars. And then they get a video with like less than 5 million views. And they're like crying like, oh, you know, like, this isn't doing very well. I'm taking it down. Like, I'm just, you know, I know I can do better. Like, I'm like, this is, oh my gosh. Like, I don't want to come up to that point.
0: Well, I feel like as soon as you get to that level, then you're not doing it for the fun of it. You're doing yeah. it for the views.
2: Yeah. I don't want to, you know, what I, what I mean to say is I don't want it to like take over my life. I don't want to be obsessing over like every view. Some videos are going to do well, some are not. And that's just the way the world works. Sometimes you will get consistently a good amount of views. Sometimes, you know, you might not do so well and you'll, you'll have rough, rough patches in your career. And even on YouTube. So you just have to accept it. that's part of the journey. Not everything's going to be successful. But I'm, yeah, I definitely don't want to be. If you guys see me on Snapchat or something or Instagram, you know, crying because my video only got 3 million views. I want you guys to like
1: yell at me send, me.
2: send me a DM and be like, Jessica, take this down.
1: <laughs> we'll have an intervention.
2: <laughs> please, please be like, Jessica, join this chat because we got to talk to you because you're embarrassing yourself and your are <laughs>
1: would you say that you've kind of built a community
2: i don't want to take that much credit i don't think i don't know i don't i can't see the impact that i have if any i just think i'm a just a normal everyday person that you know has some success here and there i don't see myself as i I don't see myself as maybe the way you guys see me i don't know
0: you must get messages from people saying that you've helped them
2: oh for sure and, and when i meet people in person too they're telling me they're and i i can't even my heart can't even handle it sometimes i'm like i inspired you like me but sometimes i'm like a clown you know i'm over here making jokes all the time and getting yelled at by my mom you know in an arabic <laughs> and my cat is, is meowing at me all the time annoyed of me um so sometimes i can't believe that i had that impact on people because just a couple of years prior i was really just
1: look I think that's I think that's why you're so successful is because you're you understand where you've come from and you're humble and yeah Yeah, it's the fact
0: you yourself it's you're not trying to be anyone else and I think a lot of what you've talked about in this that message of just being yourself is the reason why you've got to where you are it's like you don't have to pretend to be someone else
2: yeah yeah and I I definitely I'm not gonna let something like YouTube ever change me I always remember my roots and where I came from and I just I appreciate every single person like when people come up to me and they they like hug me and they tell me like you inspired me like you're the reason I started photography I just I just hug them and I'm like I love you (laughs) so so sweet so sweet for them to take the time to come and you know say that to me and it's just it's amazing it's so amazing. I'm so grateful.
1: So what advice would you give to anyone that's maybe scared of, like say they, they love photography, but they're scared to post their images on uh, Instagram or they're scared to uh, publish a, a video on YouTube? What would your advice to those people be?
2: Just do it. Don't think twice about it. Because if you wait for the perfect moment or when you get your hair done or when your eyebrows are grown out, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. There's never the right time. And... Even me, I'm. There are so many comments that I get critiquing my photography, criticizing it. A lot of some people don't like my photography, and that's okay because I like my photography, and I think that's what is important. And that you know, not everybody is gonna like everything that you do. It's especially on YouTube. You know, YouTube. When you put yourself out on YouTube, you better be ready for the you know for the comments. (laughs) Better be ready for everything. So, just. As long as you are happy with what you do and you're open to constructive criticism, you're open to learning more and you know, receiving feedback, then I think that is the most important thing. Because I don't I don't think you know, you should go on YouTube with the attitude like, Okay, my work is the best, I'm not changing for anybody, you know. I'm open to constructive critique. Like I'll read comments and be like, Okay, like maybe I did crop. too low or maybe this is a little oversaturated like i'll look back and be like okay like where can i improve because i want to improve not like oh no they're just hating on me because like i'm amazing and because i know i have so much more to learn so that's the attitude that i think people should have when they you know put their work out there
1: amazing jessica where can people find you online
2: google no i'm just joking um (laughs) (laughs) instagram twitter jessica Cobesi basically uh, everywhere
1: we'll find you thank you so much <laughs> thanks so much for that hey guys
0: before we go we've got a little competition for you every week as part of this adobe partnership we're giving away a free mentoring session with us the creative rebels and a year's free subscription to the adobe creative cloud for runners up will also get a subscription to the creative cloud inspired by this week's guest jessica kubasi we're going to, to take a photo whether that's with your phone or camera and edit it using Lightroom. Inspired by Jessica's work, we want you to really play around with colours. Let's see what you can do with the HSL sliders and colour curves. If you've not used Lightroom before, there's some great tutorials on Adobe's website. And if you don't have the Creative Cloud yet, you can always go to creativerebels.code forward slash Adobe for a free trial. Winners will be selected two weeks from today, so let's get snapping and submit your photos on Instagram using the hashtag Adobe X creative Rebels. And remember, always be creating. See ya.